For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It's half time in the 2022 F1 season. Already we've seen brand new cars, ground effects stars, a lap by lap fight by day and by night. Verstappen takes the lead. Phenomenal racecraft again. What a battle. Down to turn four and the Ferrari is through. Mercedes bouncing, Carlos Sainz pouncing. Yes! First points for Mick. You did it. Alonso still quick. Here in Montreal, on the front row, you almost had it. We'll attack Max on the first corner. A George Lando podium. Who would have thought? And pandemonium in the mid-pack. Three become five into turn three. And that is just epic. Close racing's back. Fights for the lead. Wow, that was close. Two teams with speed. One, two, four, Ferrari. Rebel come to Ferrari's backyard and make it a one-two. Charles versus Max, close on all tracks. Beautifully done by Max Verstappen. Leclerc now, he'll go for the outside. Oh, wow, fantastic move. That was stunning. One starter crowd. <laughs> 11 races down. And B1. Yes. I'm so pleased to say... Let's keep pushing, let's keep going. We're only halfway. The second half of the 2022 F1 season starts this weekend. Welcome to F1 Nation, our preview of the French Grand Prix. With me, Tom Clarkson and Damon Hill. Damon, I'm hot. Like everybody else in the UK, I know, but I don't think I'm as hot as you were this time last week. Am I right? <laughs> and that is a good, that is absolutely correct. Yes, because it was hot. It was hot where I was, but I was also on a bicycle climbing up a mountain. Um, but um, unbelievable performance by Tom Piddock um, in winning that stage 12 of the sort of the Alpe de Huez stage. Uh, and I've got to say, if he ever wanted to do the Isle of Man TT, probably get the lap record from, on that as well. Did you see him going downhill? I mean, this podcast, we're, we're into speed, right? This guy was frighteningly quick. 100 kilometers an hour going downhill. I've got on my monitor, I got up to about, I think I got 60K. So he was a whole 40K faster than me <laughs> at one point going downhill, which is something. Seen that to- picture of him. He's at 45 degrees. He's got his knee down, as you say, at 100 kilometers an hour. Phenomenal. But but so the late app you were doing was the Alpe d'Huez stage. Yeah, it was. But um, I didn't manage to make it. I was too slow. And they basically sweep you up. If, you, if you're not going to make the time, then um, they come around with a coach and <laughs> they collect you. And uh, let me tell you, that's one sweaty coach, I can tell you. Is that about 50 uh, cyclists who've been pedaling all day in 30 degrees heat? So, um, but I got a lovely tour of the Alps. <laughs> but, I, but I wasn't in Austria and enjoying uh, that race. So I had to come back and watch it all because I, was, I had to catch up. So it was exciting. Austria was exciting. Um, a bit of a turnaround, a bit of a surprise to see Ferrari looking like they've caught up 
Red Bull and making this a bit more of a championship for us, which is fantastic. Damon, I'm interested that you say Ferrari have caught up Red Bull. I don't think they were ever slower than Red Bull, actually. I just felt reliability, strategy and circumstance played against them in recent races, not speed. Mm, yeah, I think it's possible. I, I, I saw that from Charles's uh, quote saying that he he always thought they had the speed. But I think what I meant was that on certain circuits, you'd put down it being a Red Bull track or, you know, Ferrari would do better at certain other circuits. But in their backyard, in their own track that they have dominated now for quite a long time to be clearly not as quick as the Ferrari was a surprise I thought um, and and maybe an indicator that they've got some issues which they which might be handicapping them more than they want to I mean you know the tire degradation thing on the, on the Red Bull it looked like they were suffering more than the Ferrari let's break it down we're exactly halfway through this season 11 races in 11 races to go who are your star performers so far? I think um, you have to say that the normal, the guys you normally expect to see at the sharp end, Max and, and Charles are there. Carlos clearly just a notch behind, but still able to, to perform in that Ferrari. Um, Sergio, again, is not is not the lead man. He had, he had his moment and he still could be an, an effective driver. George Russell has been amazing and consistent, as we know. A bit of a touch there in Austria with, with Sergio. I th- and I think on the Sergio going on the outside thing, I think that was really Sergio was being very optimistic that he thought he could, you know, put his foot down and, you know, George wouldn't be able to, uh, would be able to avoid him. I didn't think that would be, that was reasonable. I thought it was very difficult for George to avoid him there. But um, so nearly not, nearly lost a, a finish there. But, um, you know, I think that you know, Lewis has been, unbelievable as well I mean Lewis has been just in, in once he gets into a race he gets this another level that kicks in so thinking through the field who else obviously Lando fantastic performances so star performers are those those few I'd say and there's been some good performances by by the likes of Albon and, and the likes of Joe Granue as well and um, uh, you know there's some some little sparks there of hope for other drivers. What you're highlighting is the strength and depth that we have in Formula One at the minute. But I'm going to pick three guys when we're talking star performers. I think Max Verstappen would be my uh, number one driver so far this year. Six wins. Just the coolness of Max Verstappen has impressed me as much as his speed this year. I felt he was a little too impetuous last year. I thought he was sometimes too harsh with Lewis Hamilton in the wheel-to-wheel racing. A much cooler head on him this year. And as a result, I think we've seen him play the percentage game. Even in Austria last weekend, I think he accepted that Charles Leclerc had uh, the faster car underneath him and therefore didn't actually fight him for the lead as hard as I think we would have seen him do in in 2021. So a very mature, fast version of Max Verstappen in 2022. And then my second would be Charles Leclerc with his three wins. I mean, boy, he should have so many more wins than that this year. I'm thinking Monaco, I'm thinking Spain, just to name two races. But Leclerc has really, I think, raised his game this year. I think he's seen the opportunity presented to him by the team by giving him a quick car and he's risen to it he's got his head around these new cars very quickly as well been hugely impressed by him and as you say dh george russell you know what was it the opening nine races inside the top five 
phenomenal, uh, including three podiums. Actually reminds me, Damon, of Lewis Hamilton, who his opening nine races of his Formula One career at McLaren, they, okay, they were all podiums, but the consistency of Hamilton when he first came into Formula One in a front-running car was what impressed everybody back then. And I think it's the same with Russell now, speed and consistency again. I think you know, George still has a little bit to learn. I'm sure he'd admit, admit that. But um, on your assessment, I would say also Charles is possibly lost out at Silverstone as well by another strategy thing so it may have been a, you know it may have been Charles instead of um instead of Carlos at Silverstone so yeah but we forgot to mention Mick Schumacher as well who has had a little bit of a spurt forward a leap forward I think and it looked like it was all going south and then suddenly he's rebounded he's hit the bottom and bounced like a person on a space hopper <laughs> You're thinking back to Silverstone and Damon, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? So he had obviously a huge accident in qualifying at Saudi Arabia and then another one uh, in the race at Monaco. And after the race in Monaco, I was thinking, help, what is Mick going to do to get himself out of this hole that he's dug himself? And I don't know whether it's something that Gunter Steiner has said or whether he's had a word with... An ex-racer like yourself, or but something has happened since that crash in Monaco. And he turned up two weeks later in Baku and was immediately, I felt, consistent. And then since Canada, he's been right up there. It's been tremendous to watch. Something's new, something's different, something's better. Um, and um, sometimes it can be just that staring into the abyss uh, of the reality of our sport, which is that you could... Um, you know, you could find yourself not in Formula One and that kind of can, can spur you. You can lie in bed at night and go, blimey, it really could happen. I might have lose, I might lose my job. Can I come down in defence of Mick Schumacher in that, in a way, I feel this is his first season in Formula One. Last year's Haas was so off the pace that really he was just battling his teammate Nikita Mazepin. Whereas this year, for the first time, he's battling other cars, he's... he's in with a shout of, you know, getting through to Q2 and sometimes on occasion Q3. Uh, I feel that in a way for him, this is year one. And so, yes, it's going to take half a season to get up to speed, isn't it? For most people anyway. And he's doing a great job. Yeah, I, I think that in his F2 season, it was, you know, in his career, he looked like he was a slow burner, a slow learner, but he got there in the end. And I think that's that's the point is that, you know, and if you compare him to... to um, to his dad, obviously, you know, Michael arrived and bam, there he was straight away, fully formed. Um, but I think, you know, Mick, um, give the guy a little bit of a break. You know, I think he's had a lot to deal with growing up. And, um, you know, he's showing that he's applying his in, his intelligence. He's a very smart kid. Um, and I'm sure that the criticism has had an effect, but it's not been a negative effect. And, he, and I think having a teammate like uh, Kevin was suddenly a bit of a shock to the system as well and it, sometimes you can kind of it can set you back and then you have to regroup and suddenly you realize wow formula one really is the the most challenging category of racing the competition is so fierce it's so intense that you do have to reset your targets you think you're trying the best you think you're giving it everything but then you realize you're you're actually underperforming to what your your true capacity is and, and you have to really dig deep in formula one you know you will get found out before we talk about the French Grand Prix, can I add one more star performer to our list? I'm going to throw the cars in. I'm going to throw the 2022 regulations in there. I think overall, these regulations have been a huge success. There is no doubt in my mind that the cars 
are able to race closer together. We've seen it time and time again. And uh, the field is closer together. That midfield is is outrageously close. So I think they've achieved everything they set out to do. Yes, we'd all like to see them a little bit lighter. Um, and maybe that's something we can change going forward. But I think the fundamental aerodynamic philosophy of these cars has proven to be a great success. And hats off to Pirelli as well. These 18-inch tyres are are more raceable, more durable, less prone to um, overheating. And so big shout out, big, big, I'm going to big up these 2022 regs. Well, I think it's a good call, Tom. I think that's definitely the case. I think it's, it, I'm going to comp- bring in the cycling again. I'm going to suggest that now we've got almost like a pursuing pack because when you get these DRS trains, they wouldn't happen unless the guy could get to within one second in a corner. So a circuit like... Austria, where you've got, you know, you've got this middle section, which is basically all corners. Guys are able to get right up under the guy's, you know, back of the car and actually stick with him close enough to get through the last one and then get onto the straight close enough to get a proper toe. So you get these DRS trains of groups of cars keeping up a faster pace than they might have otherwise done on their own. We're in agreement, Chief. It's the peloton. (laughs) Only they're not pedaling. Tom, who is our next guest? Or our only guest, I should say, <laughs> on this week's show. Drum roll, please. He raced in 210 Grand Prix, winning 10 of them, five of them for Ferrari. He also raced for McLaren, Benetton and Arrows. He's a legend in his own lifetime. Welcome to Gerhard Berger. Yay! Damien, what do you do this time in the morning? I, I ask for this time to be sure that you have to get out of your bed. It doesn't start, It doesn't take long, does it, before you start getting ribbed by Gerhard. He goes straight in there. Not not even a, hi, nice to see you. It's like... <laughs> so you're a Ferrari driver. Once you're a Ferrari driver, you're always a Ferrari driver. I know you've got your Austrian connections, you know, so the Red Bull team are an Austrian team, but how pleased are you to see Ferrari up there now? And, and they're doing they're going the right direction they've got themselves seems to have got themselves you know organized haven't they you are right i'm sometimes really struggling uh, you know because as you say i was six years in ferrari and uh, and for, when you're once a ferrari driver you're always a ferrari driver uh, it's 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 something very special but at the same time i have to say i start my relationship with red bull before the company red bull was even started Back in 1985, and I was with Eros. Can we throw it back to the Austrian Grand Prix to start with and talk about this battle between Leclerc and Verstappen? Your two teams, Ferrari and Red Bull, just sum up that race. Leclerc wins it, his third victory of the year. He has to overtake Verstappen to do that. What did you make of that battle? I think I see it first as great for Formula One. We need this, we need it even better. You know, we, we would need even another two brands uh, uh, being between a McLaren or whatever. But we are ready after all the years with Schumacher, all the years with Lewis Hamilton, we are already happy to see two different brands fighting each other uh, in the last two years. But I think to have Ferrari back in the game is fantastic. Uh, it would be even nice if Mercedes would be somewhere between two, you know. But we are seeing good races. Or we're seeing very good racing already. And uh, I think for uh, Ferrari, I think Formula One is back as the fans deserve to have. And um, having 
one of the teams, Ferrari, fighting for the championship helps a lot to Formula One. We're going to Paul Ricard next. What was once called the high-tech test track, if I've got that right. So, guys, let's throw it forward and talk about this weekend's French Grand Prix. Is it just going to be Gerhard's conflicted Red Bull and Ferrari, or are we going to see Mercedes fighting back? Paul Ricard always was a little bit different. Huh? He was, it was very smooth. It's a very different style of circuit. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe a Mercedes works a bit better there. It's very flat. But in general, yes, it will be again a fight between Ferrari and, and, and Red Bull. It's really the track that kind of launched Adrian Newey into his career, really, because of the march, isn't it? You remember that? Uh, was it Capelli who was, 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 was winning or leading for a long time? And, but it worked because that car, it needed a, a smooth track. Um, it was it was a very stiff car and it worked very well aerodynamically, but it had to be low to the ground and it, and it was like a billiard table, wasn't it? You, but you, so you know, smooth track, brilliant for aerodynamics, which may help the Mercedes if if they haven't fixed their porpoising or you know or you know they need to get that car low to the ground. But as you say, it's a tire killer. It absolutely eats your tires. And Damon, we we've seen the Mercedes have managed to improve the porpoising situation at both of the last two races. They don't seem to have the tyre deg issues that Ferrari and Red Bull have had. Both of those teams have complained of tyre deg. And then we only need to throw it back to last year's French Grand Prix when I know very, very different situation now, different cars, different tyres, but neither Ferrari finished in the points last year because of issues with the front tyres. I wonder if this has got Lewis Hamilton written all over it. This weekend? No, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, all all what uh, Damon just described was what, uh, what I was saying too. You know, the circuit is very special. Um, but I have to say the March at the time worked in many circuits. You know, it, or in, 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 in a bit like my Benetton in 1986, uh, these two cars were solid suspension, very close to the ground and, and worked very well on Zeltweg, very well in, uh, in Rika. But the, the Mercedes didn't work really well anywhere this year. And, and, and it could be maybe a bit better, but I don't think it will go so much in this direction that they're suddenly going to play a role to, to win the race. You know, for me in the winter, when they, they brought this new regulation and when the first tests was, and, and, and we, we, we understand that this is back again. And Damon can remember very well, we had this absolutely in the 80s and beginning of 90s, very strong. You know, I mean, I remember the McLaren was disaster dancing the whole time. Gerhard, can we get your thoughts now? Put your helmet back on it and just imagine you're racing Leclerc and Verstappen in particular this year. What has impressed you about those two guys on track? Leclerc's impressed me with his talent, with his speed on one lap in qualifying. He's doing very, very well. In the racecraft, I have seen a little bit the advantage to Max. Max is brilliant over the whole race, to use every possibility, is very strong on overtaking, is very strong in wheel-to-wheel fighting, is very strong on reading the race, combined with, with the strategy of guys of Repul, who are extremely good, uh, the good pit stops of Repul, I, I think it's, it's nearly an unbeatable package. Saying this, maybe the Ferrari has, in certain circumstances, a little bit an advantage, and Leclerc is using it very well. He's super quick driver, super good. But to be honest, last race with the technical 
reliability issues they are having sometimes, you you will see signs also maybe taking points away, as maybe happen would happen last race. I mean, last race with the with the throttle issue, uh, signs would have even a chance to win the race, and then then this starts really hurting very much on for the championship. No, I was gonna just gonna ask Tom about you know the experience of being in a team like Ferrari and the question of whether or not Ferrari should be favouring Charles. And, and, you know, we've had a couple of races where maybe he was disadvantaged and it might might not be in a tactical point of view. It might be it might be better if Ferrari were giving more points to Charles to, to beat a Max. But it seems like they're being as fair as possible between the two drivers. Is that is that a mistake, do you think? No, we are in a sport. And I think in a sport, as long as drivers have possibility to win the championship, it shouldn't be played. That's my personal opinion. We have in history... Some teams what played this always very hard and they've been extremely successful even being spot. Like, you know, Williams was maybe the leader of everything. And this, you know, he didn't care, Menzel, Piquet, whoever, or, or you, whoever it was, maybe in the last race, but not not before. So I I have to say now they are shouting all to to, to Ferrari and say, well, they, they don't know what they're doing. But the anti maybe learned when Paricello had to to let uh, Michael Schumacher pass in, in, in a red bull ring uh, with Sean Roth at the time. Maybe they learned of it and say, well, we would like to to have the spot and the focus. Uh, and if so, I like very much. But it could be in the end of the day hurting. Long term, maybe not. Do you think Verstappen races Leclerc in a different way to how he raced Hamilton last year? I think Verstappen is even better than last year. I think that, that to win a championship, it takes a lot of pressure away from you. People say to me, you know, Ferrari is doing so many mistakes. And, and I say, well, last year, nobody would believe Ferrari is doing such a big step forward on the technical side. If as Ferrari fan, if you would have the possibility to buy, you would buy, say, well, Ferrari is going to be second next year with such a car. Everybody would say, great. But now they are trying to fight a championship, but they didn't fight a championship since years. So the sensoric is not used, or they, they, they are not ready yet to fight in the championship like Red Bull, who fight until the last race with Lewis Hamilton last year, with every small detail, what it means for a championship. So I think Ferrari is still going to make on a, on a position like they are at the moment, they can add a one or two years until the team is ready again to win the championship. And that's a normal procedure. And, and I mean, it can happen. It can be maybe the technical, the car is so good that they're going to win the championship already this year. But if they really have to fight, Red Bull has an advantage from the last year's fighting for the championship. Do you think Leclerc is ready to win the world championship? He did one or two mistakes this year. What shouldn't, be, shouldn't happen already when he really is serious for the championship. Imola and the Chicane, yeah. You know, just finish third, take the points. This is where Luis impressed me so much. Luis is just always there. Whenever the door then is open, he, he's on the podium and take the points as much again. Where Leclerc is not in these areas, Leclerc is still need a little bit of experience. But in general, he's absolutely a guy that can win championships. Uh, you mentioned Lewis Hamilton. Look, how tough is it for him this year? after so much success, to suddenly be in what he would consider an average racing car. Should I tell you what I think is the toughest for him? 
For him, the toughest is that he lose the championship last year because with last year, he would put himself in the books as the most successful Formula One driver ever. And not winning the championship means is Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton. And and this for him in in in, in the way how he thinks to beat all the records, what what he did very impressive until now. This is something where he needs to still win one championship. But, you know, in Formula One, they say, I need to win this championship. It doesn't work. It comes or doesn't come. And, and, and I think this is something where, for him, was probably going to be a difficult situation. Then having the car as he has, you know, I mean, you can see when the car starts to work a little bit better and he can go to the podium, he, he, he finds his performance again. It's after racing, isn't it, Gerhard? You know, people ask you, how did you get on? Oh, I won um, seven world titles. Um, there was this other guy that won seven world titles as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I won more races. You know, it doesn't sound as good as doesn't I work. won the most. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that eighth title is so uh, so tantalizingly close for him. Uh, do you think he'll get there? Do you think, can you see it happening? It, it, it could be really difficult because now with the new regulation, uh, Mercedes has first to catch up the others, not thinking about having an advantage as they had very often in the last years. So now uh, it could be a long way. I feel if we're talking all things French Grand Prix, we need to talk about the French drivers, the French team, Alpine as well, now tied on points uh, in the Constructors' Championship with McLaren. So they've taken a step forward relative to last year. But Gerhard, your thought on Gasly, on Ocon, on Alpine? Let's start with Alpine. Start with Alpine. So long in the sport. And they've been prof- in a professional way in the sport. No question. They had always good people, good drivers. You know, I mean, uh, there was really great drivers. Uh, Alan Brost and, and, and even now with, with Alonso and, and, and Ocon. Now, you can employ one of Esteban Ocon or Pierre Gasly. Who impresses you the most? Uh, difficult to say for me. Gasly is doing a really great job. We know that uh, he was struggling next to Max. You, you always have three, four, five guys in Formula One. They're very special. And whenever you put somebody next, then you can see if he, if he can follow it or if he even gets slower through the pressure. Uh, Gasly, once he was out of this world of, of Max Verstappen, he showed again a very great performance. And Ocon is a good guy. I, I know him from Formula 3. I watched him very clean. I, I, I have a little bit feel, feeling that he's a, a little bit of Alan Bros style. Smooth, quick. But a lot taller. A lot taller, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, both, both, I would say both very good drivers. One quick one, because the German-speaking world, I think, are very interested in this, this chap, Mick Schumacher. Um, he seems to have turned a corner, Gerhard, do you think? Um, has he been under a lot of pressure from... From the media, I mean, it's the the sto- the name is not much of a help, isn't it? I mean, it's to be to be a Schumacher and being Formula One is 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 taking a lot of uh, you know well attention, perhaps un- unwelcome. Well, I think it it has at least as much advantage as disadvantage, so it balances it in the end of the day. But once you are, arrive, I think until you arrive in a place where it's now, it's an advantage. Now he, he just needs to deliver. And I think it looked like he, he, that he needs all this pressure to be capable to deliver what he has to deliver. And I think when this pressure starts with Günter Steiner and so on, 
and, and all these discussions started, suddenly it made click with Mick and he, he did a bloody do good, bloody good races. I think that's interesting, yeah. And really feisty as well. It was clear from the beginning on that he, he needs to be faster than Magnussen. If you are a young driver and coming up and you, you won't be one of the new stars, you need to beat your she, uh, teammate. And, and the last two races, I, I said, well, maybe he's capable to do it. Like me then, he needs lots of pressure on him. I always drove better when I was, you know, being threatened with being fired. <laughs> uh, yeah, or me when I had to do a new contract and get a bit more money out. I, I, I find another half second. <laughs> oh dear. You know, we didn't talk about Russell yet. I, I see he's doing a great job, I have to say, the whole season. I mean, next to Lewis Hamilton, to be consistently always on the same level and, and, and even quicker sometimes, it's very impressive. Huh? Guys, before we leave the French Grand Prix, let's get all of our top three. Gerhard, who, what's your top three for this weekend coming? Well, I think, oh, uh, let's put Max winning the race. Leclerc signs. I know it's a little bit, you were, the, you were expecting that I would put uh, Russell, uh, Daniel, Emic. Okay. Damon? Top three. Well, Gerhard gave us top six. He didn't, we, I saw him under, <laughs> under pressure there going for the last three, but he did very yeah. well. I'm going to go Lewis Hamilton. I think there's going to be an incident. We've been talking about how well they've been getting on. I think that first corner is a bit tricky, the little chicane thing. Let's say Charles loses his front wing or Max gets a puncture or something like that. Um, and maybe, Or maybe even on pure pace, the Mercedes springs a surprise because I think in their in their race trim, Lewis has been on occasions very, very quick. And you've got two guys, you know, I could even be Lewis first, George second, and Carlos Saints third. How about that? Which passport, wow. which passport are you having? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is something in it because it's it's brilliant how Max and and Leclerc are racing each other and giving space to each other. So they don't do stupid things. Really, really, very highly professional. Very good. But one moment will be will be not enough space, and maybe that's weekend. <laughs> maybe that's uh, the weekend. But uh, Gerhard, they've been there before. Austria twenty nineteen. Do you remember they? Um... They hit each other two laps to go, I think it was, right at the end of the race. It will come again. It was it was too smooth now the last few races. Well, I'm with Damon. I think Mercedes are gonna are gonna let rip this weekend and be really impressive. And we're gonna see Lewis Hamilton back to his best. So Hamilton first with I mean, God, can you imagine if we had Hamilton, Verstappen and Leclerc all going for all going for the win? What's going on with you guys there and you're <laughs> drinking or what? <laughs> Questions, please. Damon Hill, do you think it's time maybe you should change your approach to racing? <laughs> well, I don't know even how to start answering that question, but anyway. It's the Williams leading Damon Hill. Some more questions, please. Damon, were you happy with the start? Damon Hill, congratulations for this winning demo. You must be satisfied. Any questions? Yeah. Well, Damon, it must have been absolutely gutting that last couple of laps. Damon, it looked like you had it really under control. Some more questions, please. Right, this bit's called Ask Damon, where our, our listeners from all over the planet come in and ask me an awkward question. <laughs> and I have to answer it and make it look like I know what I'm talking about. So, Gerhard, listen carefully to what uh, the next question is. 
Hi, Damon. This is Hudson from the United States. I'm wondering what the most extreme weather was during a Formula One race. Hudson, um, wow, difficult conditions. Very good question, and, uh, and and it's great to have you on, and, and you're probably our youngest ever Ask Damon questioner, so congratulations on that. And I've got a guy who has driven in all conditions here with me, Gerhard Berger. Gerhard, what was the most difficult conditions that you have won a race? I'm sure you, did, you didn't do Fuji, did you? That was going back too no, far. Very, no, uh, very clear, Damon. One race, very clear, and you've been in two. 80 late, 90, whatever it was, when the rain well and stopped after the first lap. Adelaide, 1991, 14 laps. Thankfully, I wasn't there. You wasn't there. Well, that was, that was something very, very spectacular and difficult. How much could you see? Uh, I couldn't see the front wing. We were driving and listening the engine noise of the others. It, it was unbelievable. And, you know, funny story, um, that wasn't a warm-up. And the race was a little bit delayed. And then the cars was up to the starting grid and the, the conditions didn't get better. And we was already in the car and raining and foggy and, and, and nothing. And I say, impossible to drive. Somebody going to die. Alan came in first race. We did the race. Nobody died and everything was fine. <laughs> Purely by chance. I mean, I seem to remember, uh, who was it? Senna went into the back of, of Martin Brundle or something like that. In yes, the he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they just couldn't see each other. That was appalling. What about you, Chief? Well, difficult conditions nearly always mean wet races, doesn't it? So I'm thinking of, of Spa um, in 98, which was ridiculously wet. There was also uh, Suzuka in 94, where we had a, <laughs> we had a uh, tropical storm. What was it? A tornado? What do they have there? A cyclone? Um, and, yeah, races like that are put you really to the test and it's interesting how it's changed since Gerhard's day I, I do remember the similar situation where it had been raining in the warm-up and then we went and sat in our trucks to try and take cover and then we came out we realized it had been raining ever since the warm-up and it was getting harder and harder and we sat in our cars on the grid and I looked out at what looked like an infinity pool uh, in front of me I was on the front row front pole position I think and um, it was just nothing but shimmering water like it was a swimming pool there is a small line between a wet race where you cannot drive it anymore because it's it's uncontrollable but this is very very rare and in general you should just go and 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 get it this is the job of the drivers hudson many thanks for that question and i hope damon and gerhard have answered it for you and although we haven't got time to do any more Ask Damons this week, please keep firing them in because we're going to do some Ask Damon specials during the August summer break. Whole episodes dedicated to your questions and our answers. So wherever you are in the world, however long you've been watching Formula One, we'd love to hear your questions. They can be about the current season, Damon's career or anything else you like about this wonderful sport. So please record them as an audio file on your phone. You can use the voice memo app to do that. Email them to me at askdamon at f1.com. Okay, so please get those in. Ask Damon absolutely anything we'll pull out our favourites for the episodes in the summer break. I feel like we've discussed it all today, Gerhard. Thank you very, very much for coming on the show. As ever, fantastic to speak to you. Yeah, it's also good to talk with you because it's always a good mixture between professional 
questions and answers and uh, and having some fun. And it's always good to see your cheeky smile as well, Gerhard. Probably <laughs> yeah. one of the cheekiest Formula One drivers ever. <laughs> Thank you. You're looking well. <laughs> Thanks okay, for coming on. Day, okay, guys. Thank you. Great nice to, to see, see you. you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Gerhard. Uh, now, look, hey, Damon, one more thing before we go. Colton Herter tested the 2021 McLaren at Portimao last week. I just wrapped up two days of testing here in Portimao in the MCL 35. It's an amazing car to drive. It's very special for, for me because it's, it's my first F1 test. And so I'm very fortunate, very thankful to McLaren for giving me this opportunity. It's been an amazing two days getting acclimated into this car. Uh, for sure, very different to what I've done before, but it's been a lot of fun and everyone's been great, helped me out. I get up to speed and it's been an awesome two days of testing and uh, thanks for having me McLaren. By all accounts, he was decent, properly decent. Ooh, what's Daniel Ricciardo making of that? Well, I think it's been stated fairly emphatically that uh, we will see Daniel back next year. So it's come from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So um, yeah, Daniel's there. There's no threat to Daniel being replaced. Daniel has got pace to find a little bit um he's you know he's not been too far but you know not what we've come to expect from from Danny Ricardo um and Colton Herter waiting in the wings and and of course the importance of having an american driver in formula 1 uh, with the the rise and rise of, of formula 1 especially in the states uh, would be it would be massive. So I can see that from a marketing point of view and from an excitement point of view, we'd love to see uh, Colton or um, maybe some of the other drivers uh, having a crack at F1 um, and keep up that tradition that uh, that's been long long. I mean, you go back to you had uh, Richard Ginther, of course, Dan and um, Phil Hill, of course, and uh, Dan Gurney, uh, Mario Andretti. You know, so we, it's not like they haven't been over here and had a good go, and, and we need some more of them. Yeah, we certainly do. Great to see Colton going so well last week. Well, Damon, I think that's it. I'm about to get on a plane, head to the south of France for what is going to be a Your stunning job, Grand Prix. Tom, Little- is just so tough. I, I am I'm, I am slightly jealous. I will be staying um, homebound, but uh, I'm back in Monza. That's my next race. So I've got a whole of the summer off. Well, time for you to get back on your bike. Folks, thank you very much for listening. We're going to be back on Tuesday, the 26th of July. I'll be at Paul Ricard with the last word on the French Grand Prix. Make sure you hit the follow button on your podcast app so you get that episode as soon as it's released. So thanks again for listening. F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. 